Hello, I'm Phelan McAleer. And I'm Anne McElhenney. Yes. And welcome to the Anne and Phelan Scoop with, yes. with Anne McElhenney. With Anne McElhenney for a change. Yeah, she's been off uh, relaxing. In Not really relaxing, Phelan. Yes. But so I've been setting off um, airport scanners in er- everywhere we go. That's right. Well, what are we talking about today? Well, the show? let's just say it's week 80. That's one year and seven months since the two weeks to flatten the curve lockdown when the uh, government said it was just two weeks and it'll all be over and we restrict our freedoms for two weeks. And it's also. Four months, actually, since Hunter Biden, the president's son, used the N-words and the mainstream media has failed to report on it. So you're back, Anne. You're back. Yes, I'm back. And I think the advice, basically, to everyone out there is um, don't break your clavicle. Yeah, so you broke your clavicle going to cover a court case at Santa Monica Courthouse. See me on the pavement there. I couldn't look up. I actually couldn't look up because I was in... Because, you know, any movement at all... Oh, my God. Anyway. And you had an operation and the the recovery wasn't as... um, wasn't as good as we as we'd like, so you weren't there last week. You weren't on the show last week, but now you're back, as you say, setting off scanners. And my court, as you know, as people know, uh, no lawyer would take the case because it was too small. Uh, you know, the, the the paltry amount of money they were going to win, and they they said. Take on the city of Santa Monica, they'll keep you in court for two years and the money will be small at the end of it, wouldn't be worth our while. So I am the chief lawyer on this case. I've written to Santa Monica Courthouse asking for them to preserve all video uh, and you can't send them an email, you have to write it with a quill and pen. Uh, so I did that and uh, received no response so far. There you go. So anyway. Um, what's on the show today? You. And by the way, thank oh. you to everyone who wrote yes. the really nice messages and uh, inquiring about my health and I'm just glad to be back. Um, even, and if even if I'm with, with broken wing. Anne would love to respond to those messages, but at the moment she has one hand. I'm working on one hand and so, the left hand of course, of course, typically the, the one that, that is implicated. So, so, so now, now, now that you're using your the, left hand all the time, do you think you're going to get more intelligent because br- the other part of your brain is going to work? Oh really? Okay. Tell us what else is happening in the show there, Philem. You know, not that left-handedness or leftedness in any kind of sense would be a good thing. Let's just be right. Okay. Okay. My um, mother was left-handed, and she was forced to use her right hand at school. Well, that's what they used to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, for, uh, on the show today, a great show today. Uh, from starring as a notorious rake and womanizer, uh, Lord Palmerston, and he's now going to take up the role of sensitive artist and all-around good guy, Hunter Biden. Uh, we have actor Lawrence Fox on to discuss on why he has joined our My Son Hunter movie. Uh, and it's it's a it, the, the interview is it's it's long it's wonderful. Um, we just did it a little earlier. We just did it a little earlier, and uh, you you won't want to miss that. Uh, and also, the his, the UK have made uh, a very historic ruling in the High Court, and I bet you haven't heard about it. Yeah. Um, and we oh Eldergate film. Tell Eldergate, us about, you yes. know, Eldergate or No Country for Old Men. Get uh, Larry Elder. He probably would have been made a great governor, but I have to say. He would make a terrible movie critic. So we look at the latest Larry Elder scandal as revealed by the Anna Film Scoop. And we have a recipe. What do you get when you cross a savoury bread pudding and a frittata? And I think, by the way, I think we never actually did show a frittata recipe before. So we will bring you that. Killing killing two birds with one stone. Exactly. And also we have a really beautiful piece of writing that I think, I think anytime you come across something really gorgeous that you think would be uplifting, you should share it with people. And our dear, dear friend, Melanie Sturm, uh, wrote a piece, uh, a really beautiful piece about um, be the person your dog thinks you are. And even if you don't have a dog, you really want to read this piece. I'll read a tiny piece of it out for people, but I think you really want to want to do that. But first we're going to go to Lawrence to hear a, 
uh, from Lawrence Fox. Yes, we interviewed Lawrence just before the show started. Uh, Lawrence is going to be a, in our movie, My Son Hunter, the biopic of Hunter Biden, uh, looking bringing, bringing to, to light the Biden family corruption, the Hunter Biden corruption, the corrupt administration and the corrupt media. So let's let's go over to that interview now. It's 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 a wonderful interview actually. We covered a lot of ground, and he's a great in, a great actor, a great person, and a great interviewee. Let's go over there now. So uh, we're very happy now to be joined by Lawrence Fox. Uh, Lawrence Fox is an English actor and political activist, uh, a graduate of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in Rada, probably best known for in his acting career. For, playing uh, the TV in the TV series Lewis. Um, he played Detective Sergeant James Hathaway. Uh, and uh, in one of those very strange coincidences, coincidences, he has a strong connection to a, histori- a historical figure that I'm fascinated with. Obsessed with? Go on. Lord Palmerston. Lord, pa- Lord yeah, Palmerston. Wait, wait till you hear. Well, he played Lord Palmerston in the PBS series Victoria. He may have played an outstanding uh, member of the aristocracy, but he also played Prince Charles in Whatever Love Means in 2005, but we won't talk about that. He also played one of Jane Austen's suitors in Becoming Jane, and he played the Lord Chancellor in Elizabeth, the Golden Age. Um, he's also been on stage, uh, Mrs. Warren's Profession by George Bernard Shaw, and uh, he's also been... Uh, it is a pity she's a whore. John Ford's It is a pity she's a whore. He's even, and Lawrence Fox is even, a singer songwriter a, uh, and guitarist. He's a, his debut album was Holding Patterns and uh, followed up by A Grief Observed in 2020. He's all he's packed a lot into a short life. He's been a, a outspoken critic of political correctness and the council culture. Uh, it's cost him professionally. Um, and he's also the leader of the Reclaim Party and stood in the recent. London mayoral election. So, welcome to the show, Lawrence. Hello, and thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank yeah. you for having me in more ways than one on the <laughs> show and in the film. Yes. yes, yeah. So that's really uh, that's why you know. Let's start this interview at the end, shall we say? Um, okay. Lawrence, why did, you're coming on to play Hunter Biden in the uh, My Son Hunter movie? Uh, why did you come on this project, and why do you want to play Hunter Biden? What, what's important about the role? Well, Hunter's story needs to be told, doesn't it? It's um, It's been suppressed and, you know, for the sake of votes, it's been suppressed. And I think it's very important that Hunter doesn't get cancelled. You know, it's, it's really important that he gets his opportunity to, to share his truth. Oh, <laughs> oh. Very nice. Oh, yes. So um, was it was the idea of playing Hunter? Was it the script? Um, would you have played Hunter regardless of the script? Tell us about... Do you remember? Do you remember getting the email from us, or would it, did we phone you, or what way was it? I yeah, I do remember getting the email from you, and then I, I I opened the script and said none of the none of what follows is true except for all the facts or something like that on the first page. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I follow American politics very closely because everything that happens there happens here about twenty minutes later. So um, I uh, was fascinated by the story. I then read the script, and I was laughing at the script, A, because it's funny, but B, because it's true. You know, it's it's so unbelievable, all of this stuff. But um, he's the perfect figure, because also he's, he's obviously a deeply, deeply fascinating man, which is um, what draws actors to play parts anyway. I sort of got to that point in my career where I got bored of just playing any old person, so I was always looking for someone interesting to play. And um, 
it's just fascinating. It's a, it's a fascinating, surreal comedy. And uh, the tone is just right. And, um, and I think it'll be wonderful. And I think it's great. So, by the way, I am going to Serbia. Uh, in a uh, couple of days. In a couple of days to start pre-production. In, in I'm my... coming later, by the way, Lawrence, because I've broken my wing in the meantime. Wh- what did you do? I, this is something you don't want to do. Warning, you know, whatever you do, don't break your collarbone. I've broken my collarbone and I've re- had my re- shoulder reconstructed, but don't worry, it was over two years ago, so I don't need to put that on the medical form. Fortunately, I broke my collarbone, but... Uh, in the service of journalism. In the service of journalism, yes. Yeah. Uh, we were on our way to a court case to, to listen to the verdict and I walked on a pavement in Santa Monica and did the most spectacular... I wish they'd captured it on video. I hope they have, because it's a um, very spectacular fall. Yeah, yeah, but you well, need I'm to sorry. Still, yeah, it's it's hateful, but you know, but loads of sympathy. I'm looking for so that's that'll work. You, yeah, you so have it for me. Talk to the screenwriter. It was we did want it to be a surreal comedy because actually this is surreal. I mean, this is a man who who had to take uh, uh, had to take crack every twenty minutes, but at the same time was getting paid eighty three eighty three thousand dollars a month by a month by a Ukrainian oil and gas company. Uh, for being on their board and this lasted for five years and you know this is a guy who 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 was spending thousands of dollars millions he got three million from the mayor of moscow's wife he got a hundred thousand in a credit card from a chinese businessman who was later arrested he's trying to take two million quid out of libya as we speak isn't he yes yes can i have that i need some more crack yeah (laughs) And art. And of course, don't forget that he's doing, you know, he's painting his art and there'll be two exhibitions, one in Los Angeles and one in New York. And, you know, apparently a half million dollars is kind of the asking price and no one's going to know who bought them. Um, but nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Nothing on tour. Nothing to see here. No. Better way. There, there, there are worse ways of laundering money, aren't there? Yeah. I think, in fact, I mean, and we talked about this in an earlier podcast. Apparently, it's a really, really good way of laundering money because of the fact that the art world is so, um, you know, lacking corrupt. In, yeah, it's super corrupt, lacking in transparency. You can walk in and say, oh, that broken chair over there. Woo. I never saw anything like it. I'll give you two million. And unlike a car or a boat, artwork isn't registered. Uh, so you, you don't know who owned it before you, who owned it afterwards. You don't know who's bought it. So to get back to, to the project, to the movie, which, by the way, is, was funded by the people watching this podcast. Thank you very much. We, you can still uh, fund it if you want. We're, we're, we're still uh, trying to make this the best movie it can be. So please go to mysonhunter.com. But to get back to the movie. Buy um, me an extra sandwich. Buy me an extra sandwich. <laughs> exactly. An extra. Uh, yes, indeed. Um to get back to the script, you know, we we did want it to be. I remember saying to the screenwriter, make it part Austin Powers, part uh, King Lear, and part House of Cards. You know, so there is this surreal aspect. The Austin Powers There's the King Lear. There's the relationship between Hunter and Joe, which is like uh, you know Shakespearean, Shakespearean, uh, and then there's yeah. the, cra- the crazy media and politics malfeasance. It's uh, the the relationship between those two is fascinating, isn't it? And also, you can observe, you can sort of see, you can sort of do a GCSE or sort of low level academic wash over the family and get quite a good view about what happened. You know, especially as Joe is, I mean, he he sat outside there when the Marines after his terrible and awful, um, ridiculous withdrawal from Afghanistan. 
and he is talking to the parents of the Marines and he's talking about his son, Bo. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's an extreme lack of class there. So I can see why Hunter has a, has a, um, quite a, you know, it can be quite a disturbed individual. I, I, I can see that for sure. Yeah. But um, it's, it, it is King Lear in, in a lot of ways because it's, there's the corruption of King Lear. There's the moral corruption of Lear himself. I mean, Lear's actually a much more interesting character than Joe Biden, to be fair. Yes. yes. Um, as we know. And um, Hunter is no Cordelia, let's put it that way. Um, so, so, ouch. Ouch. I'm so, no, I don't judge the characters, though. I don't think, it, I don't think it's important to judge the characters. I gen, you know, in this sort of modern, woke, silly world that we live in, when people do talk about my truth, I think one of the few times that you can ever apply my truth or the truth, of, uh, a truth which isn't the universal truth that's always accepted, to a character is through the words that they speak. So that's where you get your truth from. And um, Mamet goes on about that a lot, doesn't he? And he's, um, I think he's got cancelled, hasn't he, recently? Yes, yes, yes. very yeah, much yeah, so. Yeah. The he's a neighbour of ours out here, um, and, and, and we know him well. Yeah, great. We know him well. In fact, we talked to him about this about this script. Actually, he's he's mm. you know he's got some very interesting things to say about the relationship between Joe and Hunter as yes. well. Um, so yeah, so I mean, but we also felt it was important not to demonize Hunter. You know, no. to try and make these people human to explain because if you if you make them human, then you understand why they're corrupt. As opposed to if you make them demons, then it's hard it's hard to emphasize. Yeah, you, well, but this is the enemy of modern cinema. Uh, and why I was really drawn to this story is because modern cinema is basically just a moral lecture nowadays. Yeah. You're just told you're told what to think and why you're meant to think it, and um, it, it's very confusing. And you're having these the Avengers movies being a classic example, or you know anything on Netflix actually, if I'm honest at the moment. Uh, but stories are it's up. My dad always used to say to me about acting, which was he said. You just remember the audience much smarter than you are, and you'll do fine. Yeah, and that was it. That was that was his bit of advice about acting, yeah. and I've applied that rule. So I don't. I think it's really important not to judge your characters. I think it's actually in order to create drama, you have to humanize them. You can't yes. go, "I'm going to do a pastiche Joe uh, Hunter Biden or a pastiche Joe Biden." You go, "You the the comedy comes because they mean it." Yes, that's, oh, that's exactly. Why. They don't. They don't see the joke. You know, they yeah. they never get the joke, and they, they believe they believe it exactly. So, so well, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, Filming is going to start on October the twenty fifth. Um, or it's going to be it's going to be great. it's weeks away. It's, it's actually weeks away. It's a now. weeks away, and, yeah. and we're going to be in Serbia uh, because it's going to double as Ukraine, and uh, it's good. It's going to be very very interesting. We're really looking forward to. It. I want to talk about your other life. Uh, I mean, first of all, I want to talk about. This guy here, Lord Palmerston. Phelan uh, yes. is obsessed with I am obsessed. I, I have this is, I just long just before be long before we ever heard of you, Lauren. Just, just before, long before we ever just heard before of I came in, yeah. I, I just went to a bookshelf and got I, I have about 20. Actually, I won't say how many. Let's just say you know. Let's but, just let me just say this. Let me just say that my husband has an almost embarrassing collection of Palmerston memorabilia as well as books about really? Palmerston. And we, I think maybe Philem has told you before, we have a home in Ireland in the village where um, where Lord Palmerston built a castle, built the pier, yes, um, built the convent for the nuns. 
uh, in yeah. Mullockmore County Sligo. Beautiful village. It's kind of like what Lord Palmerston never do for us. Well, he built the convent. Yeah. He built, built the, the convent, pier, He the built the hotel. He built the yeah. street. He built the houses. So those most, those well, much maligned colonialists, uh, you yes. know, including Palmerston, he built but, the convent for yeah, the ones. But I... I I wanted, you know, so, he, but he also was, you know, much more than a local builder in, in Sligo. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he, uh, I mean, for people who don't know who Lord Palmerston is, he was basically, to me, he was the Trump of his time in, in yeah. so many ways. What I mean, does Lawrence think yeah. of that? I, well, he, I, want to, I want to tell people who, who he was, right? He was the British Christ Prime Minister of the United Kingdom in the mid-19th century, dominated foreign policy. Uh, he was basically in power or in office from 1807 to 1865. Um, and, you know, I'm talking, looking here. Uh, one he, invented he invented gunboat diplomacy. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, which is, which is a, you know, for a long time was a much maligned uh, philosophy. But actually, when you think about it, it, it meant that British citizens were secure no matter where in the world they went. And we saw recently yeah. with the Chinese when when the, the Canadian government arrested a Chinese businesswoman uh, on an arrest warrant, an extradition warrant, they immediately arrested two Chinese citizens and put them in prison. In Palmerston's day, he would have sent the Royal Navy in and blown the crap out of Beijing. Uh, called deterrence, isn't it? It used yes. to be. It was a very valuable concept in preserving Western liberal democracy, but we've now given it up yes. to, to uh, replace it with something utterly, utterly useless, you know. Anyway, that's my political view on that. But, yeah, but, yeah, but Lord Palmerston, I mean, I, I actually had, I've done a little, um, I've, I want to do a TV series on Lord Palmerston, really, because he was a, he was a fascinating man. He was, he was, uh, you know, an, a, a notorious uh, rake, uh, a notorious womanizer also, uh, not like yeah. Donald Trump at all. No, not at all. No, not, not even vaguely breaks down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he he did. The, the rumors of him dying, having uh, carnal relations with a maid on a snooker table, I imagine, are vastly over exaggerated. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure, sure. Sure. So, so regarding your acting, you've been away from acting. Uh, this role is is one of the first in a little while. You've been away from acting a while, um, and in fact, in the video that you you where you announced this role, you said, "I hope I can still act." Um, are you looking forward yeah. to getting back in the camera and uh, behind the camera? And tell us about uh, why you're not, why you weren't acting for a while, and what were you doing? Well, I wasn't acting because um, I, I I spent, as you said at the beginning of the interview, I spent ten years doing this TV show, Lewis, in the UK, which was hugely popular, and I was working with a classical lefty, you know, people that cared about social inequality and all of these sorts of things, where where people from the what is called the right well when the right and the left existed they don't anymore but when they did and um we used to have amazing conversations and we fight like cats but we got on really 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 well as people and then i finished that job and i started working on other jobs at the victoria and then i did this netflix show which kind of did it for me in the end um where i was sat with a bunch of um well first of all i was offered the job uh, that I got in the Netflix show in the room, which is rare. I mean, it's not rare, but it's but it was a concrete firm offer in the room, and it was like you're the guy for the job. We love with you. We think you're great. And I was like, cool. So I waited two weeks, and I was like, what's going on? And my agent, who uh, has since sacked me because I'm a vile, bigoted, homophobic, transphobic, racist, or whatever it is that I am meant to be, um, at the time she said, well, there's a diversity problem. 
And I said, well, what, what does that mean? And she said, well, they've got to make one of you, because I was part of a sort of double act, uh, one of you uh, has to have a different skin colour. So I was like, okay, why? And she was like, well, that's just the way it is with Netflix. So I was like, okay, uh, you do realise that's really stupid and racist to do that, because if you have offered me the job in the room and now you're going to give it to someone just based on their skin colour, not only are they going to know that they're second choice, but they're also going to know that they were second choice based only around something immutable, like the colour of their skin, which was weird. So then I turned up on set. On the, I did get the job in the end, and then they cast my opposite number as, uh, uh, you know, I don't know whether they say in America now, BIPOC or something. I, I, who knows what the, mm. yes. what the sort of horrible generalization of people based on skin color that they use currently. And uh, she, the first thing she said to me was, I only got this job because you're white. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is going to be fun. And then I went out to a few dinners with the cast members who were, you know, massive overrepresentation of, um, you know, population based, massive overrepresentation of, um, you know, just different. And I can see where it comes from. I really think it's important that we celebrate and we're not a racist society and all these sorts of things. We can't shove it down people's necks. And these, and I, I would have these dinners with young actresses mainly. Uh, who would go on about how terribly racist everything was. And I would go, how much money are you earning a week for Netflix now, today? And they'd go all puce and they wouldn't know what to say. So I said, 25 grand, is that what you're earning a week? Shall I have, I'd love some of that racism. Why don't you just go amazing brilliant job and have a proper political discourse about things that aren't immutable like how much you know how skin deep you know they say skin deep right it, it, i'm so much more interested in in who someone is rather than how they identify it's just boring um so i did that job i started to have disagreements with people i would say because i'm fairly consistent in my belief it's like you know i i acknowledge that there are social problems in this world and there always will be but you've got to be consistent and some of those consistencies are that you know if you're going to whine on about uh palmerston's uh shagging or uh you know the slave trade then you know something you can do about it today right now you could hop over to libya and deal with the human trafficking there or on the or on the american border which is now just open you know because a lot of sex trafficking and slave trafficking going on there so let's be consistent rather than undermine our society and what we're doing. This turns out to be very unpopular opinion in showbiz. <laughs> just, so, in showbiz, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I, I had a sort of minor falling out with them. Then I was releasing a, an album of, of which I wrote a political song which actually i think stands up to this day it was weird I, I i mean it really worked and i was invited on question time in the uk i i think they thought they were just inviting on some kind of actor guy to go yeah man we should always get on better you mm. know why can't politics, all live together? politics just like doesn't matter make the bed made you know john lennon style twattishness mm -hmm. and um 
then I start, I, then a woman said I was not really entitled to a, an opinion because I was a white privileged male. And I said, don't be racist. It's a racist thing to say because of my skin color. And that got me canceled immediately. So the Actors Union Equity yeah. said, um, we will denounce you and all of this. And it went on and on and on. And I thought, you know, I could go off and cry in a corner and do a massive mea culpa and come out screaming about my white privilege and do what 99% of American late night TV show hosts do. But I thought, you know what? No, these are my principles. I believe in them. I'm not racist. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care whether you're gay or straight. I'm actually a bit of a hippie, really, in a lot of ways. I'm not a hippie. In, um, I, I, I would call myself a conservative hippie. You know, mm. I'm 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 live and let live as a person. You know, and, and I'm up shower. in the chat. And do you, and you shower? What? And do you and shower? shower? That's great. And I don't, and I no longer go to festivals. Um, so it was it was just a sort of organic thing. And and I was speaking to someone today actually, and they said, I think about you, Lawrence, is you're a double traitor to show business because first and foremost, you're an actor who doesn't toe the line that all the other actors toe, and B, you walked away from it. So I was cancelled, but at the same time, I walked away because I chose to. I didn't go, oh, right, I'm so sorry, I am white, and this is terrible, and, you know, I must apologise to everybody. But I just thought, you know, this anti-white racism is horrible, and um, it, uh, racism of any kind is horrible, but the, the, the prevalence of anti-white racism in the world is disgusting. And I just thought, I'm going to stick to my guns. I've got, I've got nine nephews and nieces, and two of them, Sorry, no, I've got two sons and seven nephews and nieces. And the only two that are actually white are my kids. The rest are all mixed race. <laughs> so I'm like going, God, I've got to kind of look out for you guys now because they're all coming home from school and being told about how white privileged they are and all this sort of stuff. So in the end, I just thought, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it for a while and see if the world recenters itself. And um, then I decided to start some, uh, do some political work because I don't think any of the political parties are talking about it. I mean, Trump was a great hope in America because he, you know, I was saying this, I did a video today where I was talking about it and I was, I was talking about they are the exact thing they accuse you of. You yes. know, this whole idea that, that, that Biden, everyone goes, my kids say it to me. I mean, they know better now because I'm, I've taught them. They go, Trump's racist, Trump's racist. And I said, but you know, black and Hispanic employment hit record highs during his thing. So I arm them with ammunition. And yet Biden has just got a, a long slew of racial slurs coming out of him all the time. So I've become political in the fact that there is a knowledge that is not shared in the mainstream media, which is bought and paid for, certainly in the UK and you know in America to a vast degree, other than uh, people like Tucker Carlson and Fox News, which is a great idea. Um, and I thought I'd just offer the alternative version of the dialogue yeah. show business is so is so unbelievably fragile emotionally and wants to lecture everybody yeah. about how they should live that i just thought well i don't want to be any part of this so i got into politics yeah. which is basically where rock and roll is nowadays yes yeah <laughs> yeah that's true. i mean you're the only one you're the only and eventually equity apologized uh to you is now right you got, to apologize yeah they were forced to apologize so they were they were forced to apologize under the threat of quite substantial legal proceedings yeah yeah, because so, they, just, they just thought they could do the old, oh, he's racist, he's racist and, uh, every, you know, and that, and that shuts everything and that up. Shuts everything up and, uh, and then someone actually dared turn around to them and say, well, prove it, actually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. they couldn't. 
yeah, prove it or withdraw it, and they withdrew it you, because they couldn't. You, the thing is about um, that I've noticed about people is that um, if you're not racist, you don't mind talking about race. You're happy to talk about it because it's like, oh, it's interesting to you. That's fine, whatever. But if you are racist, you talk about it all the time. Yes. race skin color as i went to an award ceremony my last award ceremony which was unbearable and uh, there was a very famous uh <clears throat> trans no i mean what would he have been called now he was i don't want to say his name because i don't want to get him in trouble but he's, anyway he was one of the early pioneers of what would be called the trans movement and we were sat next to each other on a table and we were having a right old laugh and these woman after woman or man after man or wheelchair person after wheelchair person would come up onto the stage to accept their award and they go as a black woman of color who has fought endlessly for quality in this thing and she's accepting an award and i'm going well you've got the award <laughs> and he was sat there and he was just rolling his eyes at me this guy and i'm like you were brave when it was impossible to be brave you were brave in 1980s when gay men who dressed like you were beaten up on the street. You are a pioneer. This person who's standing up on your coattails to, to identify in some particular way is not brave. They're not brave. They're just, they're just cowards and, and they're divisive cowards and they want to undermine our culture. And I don't like my culture being undermined because I'm rather fond of it. Yeah, no, no, I mean, the idea that it's brave to, to, to stand up to racism, like it's expected that you say I'm against racism now, you know, but it's, it's not, that's not a brave thing to say. No one's going to attack you for it. You're not going to lose your job or your livelihood for it. You know, you lost your livelihood uh, for, for challenging these virtue signalers. That's brave, yeah. but, but, there's nothing brave. I mean, I used to say that a lot that leftists they, they think that uh, so, uh, you know it's a controversial movie. I.e., all the people I have dinner parties with, they oh, li they like it. Yes. Uh, yeah. That makes it controversial. And it's not like it's when you go to a dinner party like David Mamet did actually, and you know he had people fighting in the stalls of his of his theater of his plays. He had people actually punch punch ups in the car park. Husbands and wives going home on different cars. Yes, I mean, uh, uh, that's that, that's because he did something brave. Yeah. It's important to do. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's valuable to do. I just wanted to talk about the Hunter Biden role again. Uh, you, you, we're starting, as I say, we're starting filming October 25th. Um, what do you think of Hunter uh, as a person or as, as, as uh, and the role? I mean, tell us more about that. Again, uh, like we were saying earlier, I don't want to judge him. So you're looking for the humanity in him and why people do things. It's very interesting, you know. I mean, not, not so interesting if you're in therapy, but uh, very interesting as an actor to go, why? Why? And, um, and also to try and go, well, if I was in that, you know, you, it, Manet was so good on this and it's always been good on this. And I was very lucky that one of the last unwoke teachers at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, which is now plunged headfirst, into the hellishness of wokery um would, would talk about true and false and he said your character is on the page and what your character says is that character so essentially what you do is you know you don't judge them you play them and you give them and you let other people judge them and you and instead of people sitting back you want people to sit forward yes, that's, yes. That's, the, that's the main job of an actor it's very fun. that, that, that is, is very funny that's that's a big thing with film but people so so we we um <clears throat> 
I did the uh, verbatim, a few verbatim plays here, and I did the Ferguson play where I took the grand jury testimony of all the eyewitnesses uh, um, of the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson. And uh, it was it was amazing. All, all 30 or 40 eyewitnesses and their testimony boiled down to an hour and a half of play. It's a minute by minute account of the shooting of Michael Brown and his crime spree that he was on, all the lies that were told and all the evidence to show he attacked the police officer. And it's verbatim. And, and normally, very often, nowadays, of course, in, in, in theatres, audiences are sitting back. But as you point out, in the in in Ferguson, they were all list, moving forward, listening because they wanted to hear every word because they knew every word was an actual word spoken by a real human being. It was the truth, as you say, their truth on on the page, and uh, that's that's the thing that every actor wants and every playwright wants. And let's hope we can get people leaning forward to listen to Hunter Biden because we want people to hear Hunter Biden, uh, not we don't want to obscure him. And you haven't stitched him up. So you, it's, it's not like you've stitched him up and made him evil. He's obviously the protagonist in the, in the piece, but you haven't stitched him up. You haven't, you know, you, you've made it what it is, which is a wonderfully surreal comedy, you know, and, and you talk about white privilege. He's got a load of that, doesn't he? Wow! Yes, yeah, he, more, more yes, than, not, was... not many, not many alcoholic uh, drug drug addicts who've fallen on their feet so beautifully so many times um, <coughs> that I that I've ever come across. We have two final questions, Lawrence, that we ask all our guests. Which the first one is: If you cook, what do you cook, and what's the recipe that you would share with us? Or it could be a cocktail recipe if you don't cook. I do cook. I cook every night for my children. Uh, and because I believe it's important to eat with your kids because that's where you find out what they think about stuff and you can unindoctrinate them if they have stop coming out with some crazy madness. So my favourite thing, I, it's, I'm not very good at cooking, but I take my mum's recipes and I will cook them a cottage pie, but I will do it, uh, I'll do a different version of it, which is I'll go and buy an entire rump of beef and I will chop it up myself rather than make minced beef and I will make a cottage pie uh, a very very homemade one with tiny little cubes of um, rump steak and is there is there a pastry on the top of that potato. no you put mashed mash potato on top oh, of it mashed potato that's the cottage pie right so it's it's so yeah. it's, instead of being a shepherd's pie a cottage pie is with beef is that the distinction it, yeah, well, I mean, as my mum said to me when we were young, she said we only got to eat meat twice a week, and that was on Sunday, and then we had broth on Monday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're only 50 years away from that, yep. while all these little iPhone dwangling little twats tell us that we all need to deal with our... My mum and her grandmum and her great-grandmum and her great-grandmum and her great-grandmum had a less carbon footprint than these guys have in five minutes. Had what, sorry? Less of a carbon footprint, including Meghan Markle and Harry, who just flew, you know, who flew to New York to to tell the rest of the world how to live. And then our next question is, is there a piece of art, like uh, a poem, a play, a movie... um, that is important to you that you would like to tell people about? I love, um, there is, it seems to us at least, any limited value in the knowledge gained from experience. Knowledge imposes a pattern and falsifies for each moment is a new and shocking valuation of all that we have been, which is T.S. Eliot. And I love, um, and I love all of Shakespeare. I mean, I can recite the stuff going out of fashion you know I, it was what is the greatest gift I ever got was um, uh, an understanding and a love of, 
of words. Yeah. 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 And I think the idea, the, the idea, by the way, I completely agree with you about Shakespeare, that the idea now that there are people, young people who will go to university to study, to study, to study English literature and will not get to meet to meet the words of Shakespeare. It's beyond belief. The idea that, you know, yeah. and again and again, it's all about his skin color. You know, I mean, he was like this. He's like this miracle, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of what he knew about the human condition, yeah. about how he described who we all are. And the idea that you wouldn't find out about that because they've decided because of his skin color, there's something limited in what he achieved. Um, I'm well, sure you've plenty to say about that. It's well, it, it's just I just don't think racism is good. I think it's a really dreadful thing. And, um, you know, Shakespeare got it right, but he also understood what's that bit at the end of um, life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his arrow upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like he he's not talking to white people. <laughs> yeah. He's talking to people. Yes. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I can't go back in time, but I imagine... Um, you know, I, I I think it's one of the most appalling things of the modern age is that we've decided that we've reached a point where we can judge our forebears and the, with the the horrible sincerity that we do. I think it's it's appalling, and art has suffered hugely as a result to the point where the, I don't have a TV anymore yeah. because yeah. I can't yeah. watch it. I've tried. To, I've turned on this White Lotus thing, and I think it's kind of vaguely funny on um, HBO and I think you know some shows are okay but it, it, what we give what we're being given is masses of quality quantity and not that much quantity uh, yes. quality. I totally yeah. agree totally and it's agree. and it's like you, you know every time we try and watch you know something you know like a procedural TV by the way I mean you were in a classic show that people love and people continue to watch and it's interesting mm. if you think about that purity and that entertainment that was that just wasn't woke at all. And now every procedural on TV, it is unbelievable. Every one of them is infected, is destroyed by the fact that someone is sitting down in the writer's room saying, you know, let's put this in. We have to put this in. No yeah. I don't care what the story is. It has to be racist. You have to, we, have to, we have to make characters who have not been racist for three seasons racist now. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah. to, you know, uh, we have to make someone gay who has not been gay. I mean, and... and, and it's very, very it's very dangerous to do this to, 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 to people because once you they're having a problem in London at the moment, not London, Manchester, where the Labour Party conference is taking place, and all they're talking about is whether men can have service cervixes or not. Yes, I and you're that. going, your country is falling apart. Yes. After nearly two years of authoritarian lockdowns, your country's falling apart, and the best you can come out with is men can have cervixes. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I'm really sorry, guys. You are so removed. I travel up and down because I actually do my job. You know, I didn't I don't do politics because I want to. It's a horrible thing to do. You know, politics is like they say, show business for ugly people. In, in, but at least in show business, people just want to be famous, right? And that's I can I'm like fine, be famous, cool, whatever you want. But in politics, people want to be powerful. And it and it's appalling that our, our politicians are, are, are going down this road and they're trying to shove it down our necks. It's 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 embarrassing and I'm embarrassed by it. So I won't ever stop doing it until it becomes better and I'm, i think it's great that you guys put together a movie 
that tells just a different story. Now, yeah. it doesn't even matter whether that story has a political slant on it. It's just like, why don't we make lots of movies for lots of people to enjoy yes. rather yes. than rather than a monochromatic, yeah. one-coloured, disgusting bore fest, which is modern show business, where they always go and clap each other on the back. You know, yeah. what are the Oscar viewing figures? Nothing yeah. now. Nothing. No, no one no, cares. No. It's unwatchable. And I just want to be clear, like Lawrence is not exaggerating. Uh, the, the Labour Party conference is going on at the moment and they are the bit the, 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 the this piece that's dominating the coverage of it is whether you can say that a woman, only women can have cervixes. People are not MPs are not able to go to their own party conference because they fear for their safety. Uh, because they uh, don't accept that that men can have cervixes. That's and I'll tell you who's not talking about men having cervixes. China and the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese leadership are not talking about that. They're talking about all sorts of things. They're talking about Wuhan flu and they're talking about stealing our lunch and manufacturing everything and, and, and disrupting the supply chain and and buying up Africa and buying up India. And buying up ports everywhere, uh, uh, you know, they are not worried about about the stupid things, and they're not worried about they've racism studied, either. They've studied us so well, yeah, and and they and they know, they know us really, really well. They and, must be um, very amused. I, I think. Well, I think that not only are they very amused, but they'd also be a bit bored because it's like going, "God, you guys are going to be so easy to beat." Yes. Like, c- come come the, in the next few months, I imagine, when they go and take Taiwan back. Yeah, you know, what's America going to do? Nothing. Nothing. Because well, the, the chief of staff will be at his uh, uh, critical race Millie? theory classes. You know, and is that this Millie man? Yes. Yeah, he'll be at his seat. Oh he'll God. be off looking at critical race theory, whilst China and China is going to take back Taiwan. There's no doubt about it. Because why wouldn't they? There's no one there to stop well, them anymore if you can you do it's it's like victor davis hansen is very good on this it's like you the whole point of western liberal democracy and the whole way that you sustain it is deterrence mm-hmm. and we have none of it anymore no. all we have is is we're surrendering to these people and the taliban are on twitter and donald trump isn't yes and we have no the enemy is Yes, our, 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 our Lord Palmerston was taken off Twitter. You know, Trump is not on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. The enemy yes. is within. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today, Lawrence. We uh, will see you in Belgrade. See you in Belgrade in a few weeks. Then. In a few weeks' time. Phelan will be there, as I said, in a couple of days. I, I, I've, got a, I've got a personal connection in Belgrade, and I'm meeting her the minute I arrive. Okay. okay. Yeah, very we'll hear more. Who, we'll hear more. No, no, but she, she, she looked after you when I was a child, and we've oh. been talking. And she said, "I can't believe what's happened to your country." Oh, she wow. said, "I fled, I fled my country." Oh my god! You know? Oh wow! Okay, okay. Well, Lawrence, okay. thank All you right, very much. Lawrence. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye, bye. Well, that was just great. I'd love to have heard more about his. I assume it was his nanny, his Serbian nanny. I think we can ask him that when we're all in Serbia together. Yes, of course. I think we're we'll we're, be we're going to. Set. Yeah, we're going to be doing lots of uh, interviews from the set uh, in Serbia, so that'll be fun. Um, and don't forget, look, you've been very generous so far. We've raised almost 1.65 million, maybe more at this stage. I haven't looked recently, but we do need the, the total is 2.5 million, right? That's what we need to make this project real to get it to get it going and to get it out. So please give what you can. Go to mysonhunter.com. If you haven't donated, please do so now because you know Lawrence Fox uh, has uh, you know as he's, you know we, we, these actors are all really professional. We're we're employing professional people in Serbia. They all have to be paid, 
And uh, we have the greatest pleasure in playing, paying professionals for their work, but we just need your help to do it. So please go to mysonhunter.com and give it This is a film that Hollywood, Hollywood are never going to make this film. Um, please help us to the make The mainstream it media censored this story. Yeah. And we're, we're trying to make it that they can't, that they can't ignore this movie. Anymore. Anymore. Exactly. Thanks. Um, there was another story, I mean, another story that I feel like the mainstream media around the world have ignored. Um, and it's an extraordinary story of this wonderful woman, 24-year-old Heidi Crowther from the United Kingdom who has it you know as she, I think as she'd say herself who has an extra chromosome so Heidi has Down syndrome and she brought a case to the high court in Britain um in this in the last few weeks um basically you know highlighting the discrimination that exists in the law in the UK right now in the UK there is a general the abortion rules in the UK right now are there's a general rule no abortion after 24 weeks in the United Kingdom. Amazing. However, six months. However, at six months, by the way, which is extraordinary, six months. It's always the right way to remember to say it. Not 24 weeks, which people kind of immediately don't grasp. Six months, you can have an abortion for any reason in the United Kingdom up to six months, but they they make an exception and allow you to have an abortion up to birth in the case of Down syndrome, cleft palate or club foot i mean it is yeah. it is beyond belief and i i think the best way to just to realize how extra i mean most of you probably have uh, people with an extra chromosome in their life in your lives so you know extraordinary extraordinary talented people that uh, should be should be should be singled out for the things they can do not the things they can't do but look at what Heidi Crowther can do and here she is and unfortunately the high court in the United Kingdom ruled against Heidi but here's her speaking outside the court after that decision let's have a listen to that I'm really upset not to win but the fight is not over the judges might not think it discriminates against me and the verdict doesn't change how I, as thousands in the Down community feel. We face discrimination every day in schools, in the workplace and in the society. Thanks to the verdict, the judges have upheld discrimination in the room too. This is a very sad day, but I will keep on fighting. When Wilberforce wanted to change the law on slavery, he didn't give up even when events didn't always go his way. And when the going got tough, he kept going. And I'm going to do the same because I want to see the change in the law to start babies like me and the gorgeous Aiden being aborted up to birth because it's downright discrimination. I'm not giving up. Let's do this. Yay! Oh, I want to say one more thing. I love you, James. People like yourself, it's a very tough day. We are amazing just the way we are. Yes! Too right. We are amazing just the way we are. Yeah, thank you for that, baby. And I just love at the end of that, by the way, Heidi sings. She has this really infectious personality. She's a real performer. Uh, she just got married this last summer uh, to the love of her life. I mean, this is a person that so, so has a... at the moment, right, in the UK, you say in the UK, if you have cleft lip, lip Down syndrome, or cl- even a club foot... Even a club... Well, by the way, that, even that, a cleft palate, by the way. I mean, everybody yeah. knows people. Yeah. We, um, we know people who have cleft palate and, you know, went or finished... I mean, it's not even worth talking about because there's nothing... It, it, there's no, there's nothing to discuss in terms of ability yeah. and all of that, but but it's just 
This is this is the law, in, and what I think is amazing about he, what Heidi did, and I, I hate the fact that she lost, but I think what we should celebrate. Well, she has a very fabulous personality, and I was just—I mean, there's a great story. We'll put the story up in the show notes, telling you more about her life. But here's somebody who went to a regular primary school. She went to a regular high school, um, has exceeded everyone's expectations. She has a job working in the beauty industry, and you know, I think by all accounts, everyone. And then she went on dating sites, and she met this guy from Weymouth, I think it is, and they talked online and all of this and, you know, basically met. And the first time they met, you know, love at first sight. And, I mean, it's so beautiful. Actually, I, it brought tears to my eyes just reading the story of Heidi. And can you imagine, look again at that picture of her standing outside the High Court. It, it's kind of really beyond, it's kind of, it's got a, there's something really disturbing to me about this. The idea that here is a lady, a woman who is living her life and loving her life and has brought great love and great just brought beautiful things into the world of everyone who knows her and and her husband who's there with her like the idea that she has to plead with the high court and what she's saying is not to discriminate against her that they're discriminating against people like her and one of the things that really disturbed her was when she discovered that in the united kingdom 90 percent of women who were given a a down syndrome diagnosis abort their babies and as we know and i think we covered it here before in the podcast if you go to iceland they have cured according to themselves they have cured Down syndrome. In other words, every last diagnosis of a Down syndrome child is um, is aborted. So um, I just shout out to her. I just think she's wonderful. And I think we should try and get her on the show sometime yes. because I think, you know, she's just a, an amazing, a really amazing person. Um, you wanted to talk about Elder yeah. Gate film. Tell us about the movie. Once we've done this, I have more uplifting a things A bit to of talk context, about. you know. Um, so last week we had uh, Larry Elder on the show. And, uh, you know, it was a great interview. And then we asked him his favourite movie, as we ask all, all our interviewees. You know, we, you heard Lawrence, our favourite work of art, and he chose No Country for Old Men uh, by the Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I expressed my scepticism. He did. Uh, um, and let's just hear Larry really defend uh, uh, No Country for Old Men here. Let's just hear play a little clip of that. The reason I like it so much is because, feel him, I always felt my... I was too hard on myself. Now there's a scene in the in the film. Tommy Lee Jones was a uh, uh, a lawman, and he's trying to try, trying to catch Harvey Harvey Bardeen, who's just an insane, maniacal killer, and he just can't understand uh, how to understand this guy. So he goes to an old sheriff, who, by the way, had been shot and was in a wheelchair, and and uh, Tommy Lee Jones says to the sheriff, "You know, the man that that shot you is about to be about to be released. If he is released, uh, what are you going to do about it?" And the sheriff, who was, was injured and paralyzed because of this man, said, probably nothing. And Tom Lee Jones was surprised about that. And he said, I'm surprised to hear you say that. And the sheriff said something to the effect of, when you try to get back one what Ben took from you, more is going out the door all the time, close quote. And that just tells me, whenever something goes bad, don't obsess over it. Don't try and get revenge. Try to go forward and try to yeah. make the best of it. Learn the lesson and go forward. I mean, what can you say? It's Larry Elder, you know. Uh, it's Larry Elder defending the Cornwall. So, and, in fairness, film, you decided we should actually, you know, take one for the team, and we should in, watch it. In fairness, I, I said I would, and then I didn't, and then I got an email during the week from Larry Elder going, "Bet you haven't watched the movie yet," and uh, you know, so we that watched. was that was that was the level of discourse we were at with Larry Elder. So, we watched it there over the weekend. Boy, is it awful! It's pretty awful now. Yeah, 
Larry, I mean, sorry. Look, Larry Elder is a great, we love a great author. We love Larry Elder. A great Elder. civil rights activist, actually. A, a great uh, thinker, a great speaker, a great politician. But he has terrible taste in movies. Terrible taste in movies. Yeah, we didn't enjoy the movie at all. It, the movie Very had the movie had out. neither uh, the movie had a beginning. It had the world's longest middle. Like it just went on and had no end. But mo- yeah, most offensive of all, it didn't have an end, which we always. I I just think that that is uh, criminal. I want to move on to my recipe now because we're running out of time. Uh, well, the guy just say you know. Coen Brothers. Okay, someone needs to tell me a good Coen Brothers movie because they're ain't. The Big Lebowski. I really enjoyed. Watch it again. We tried to watch it. Remember recently? Remember? I don't. I. I. I don't have recalled that now. Yes. So what we decided to do, I, you know, because obviously we're kind of I'm with the broken wings, so things are a little slow around here, more slow than normal, unfortunately. I decided this simple recipe was one that I would love to share with you guys, which is kind of a. This is a kind of a cross between a savoury bread pudding and a frittata. And here's the here's what you need to make this happen. And I've got a photograph up there of pretty much of all the ingredients. Gruyere, if you want to be posh about it, but you could use any cheese. But Gruyere is particularly nice. Eggs, lots of eggs. I think I used 10 or 12. Milk, about a cup of milk. Parsley, onions. Old bread, by the way. So old bread. And I had some very nice... Um, sourdough, a sourdough baguette, which we hadn't eaten, and soup uh, couldn't be more stale. And actually cutting that up was actually yeah. a big drama. You had to do that. Leftover potatoes from a dinner last night and cherry tomatoes. And what you want to do is you want to fry up your bacon. Did I mention bacon there? Oh, that's one thing I didn't mention. Bacon, incredibly important. You want to start by frying your bacon. And while you're frying the bacon, you can start by breaking your eggs, 12 eggs, into, the big, into your big pot there. You can see that. Eggs, add to that a cup of milk. Add to that. And by the way, I had a little bit of cream left from a dessert the night before. Mm-hmm. We threw the cream that's in true. as well. Just This is a great thing about a frittata. You throw everything that's left in the fridge into it, basically. You know, you can be very loose about that. And then pepper and salt. And we always put in uh, red pepper flakes because we like the bit of heat. We, and then, we. And then, well, you never object. Stop now. And basically then, instead of bothering, because I hate grating cheese. It's one of those things I really hate doing. I just cube the gruyere because then you get these little pools of gorgeous gorgeous cheese so if you want to annoy your wife um when she's grating cheese go to go to the the, the counter get a large saucepan and put it in oh, one no, hand no, no. and the cheese grater in the other and say darling which one of these is bigger and she'll go what do you ask me and she'll, which of them are bigger and she'll go the saucepan and you'll go no no because this is the grater yeah I've heard that a lot of times. It's one of those things. I uh, please God, he's going to forget it one of these days and not say it anymore. But there you go. So you then drop, th- just drop the cheese in there into that pot, and then whisk that up. Just whisk that, whisk, th- whisk that egg mixture up. At this point, the bacon's probably fried. Take that bacon off, leave the grease behind, and put your sliced onions in there then to fry. Allow that. Mm-hmm. The reason it's called a frittata, by the way, is everything gets fried. So fry up your onions. Then you want to remove the the bacon meat from the fatty parts of the bacon and try and reduce the amount of fat in that. So chop that up nice as, and small. As one uh, food, food critic. Because cri- one cr- food critic, a three and a half year old food critic that comes here quite often to eat, said on a recent occasion when I didn't take away all the fat from the bacon, it's a bit chewy. Yeah, that's what the three and a half year old said. Yeah. I was, I, I, very, I was honest, very taken very aback by that. Three and and a half year old. You, no one else. I've never, you know, in fair, you talk an awful lot about taking that fat away, but when he said it, 
that was it. Now I'm going to be actually, because he was like, because he's just super honest, you see. That's the worst part about him, right? He wasn't being, dis- he wasn't being, you know, dis- like, dis- he wasn't, he wasn't trying anything on. He wasn't being manipulative. He actually just came out immediately. That's yeah, bit, the obvious, that's the obvious implication there, by the way, is when I was complaining about it, that I was being dishonest and manipulative. Well, I think you might have, I felt you were overdoing your complaints about the fatty bits on the bacon. But actually now that, anyway, the three and a half year old has spoken. <laughs> well, if the three and a half year old has spoken. Well, so what you want to do with your egg mixture then is the old bits of bread, we've cubed them. Phelan thinks the cubes could have been smaller again. But anyway, make <clears> them as small oh. as you like. Make yes. them as small as you like. And I agree with you on that, Phelan. Make them into like crouton size. Yes. Throw them into the egg mixture and let that soak for a while. And then what you want to do is take your onions off once they've been caramelised and fry up everything else that you're possibly going to put in there. So I threw in some cherry tomatoes. Again, this is a point of contention with us. All right, go on, spit it out there, Phil. Those, tomato, those cherry tomatoes? tomatoes are too big. They're, 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 no. they're actually awkward to eat because you stick a fork into them, they, spl- so they explode think, all over I you. I think there's a thing with uh, men so and tomatoes, you by the way. cut them in half, cut the cherry tomatoes in half and it... Uh, It'll allow a bit of diffusion. Also I believe no need for that at all. But can I just say that there is a little bit of awkward. A, all you need to do actually, Phelan, is and what I probably should do in the future is I should have cooked them down, cooked them down more, which would have meant that they would have pierced anyway. But anyway, Phelan has a big problem with the cherry tomatoes. I know that. So the cherry tomatoes and uh, throw in the leftover potatoes and I would have chopped them up smaller again, but I didn't because I'm working on the one wing, Phelan. I've got the one wing and it's a bit difficult. So... Then you want to fry all that stuff up and put it in the oven. 20 minutes in a 350 oven. But your oven, nobody's oven is the same, so who knows. Take it out, check it. And you might want to do a little broiling, two minutes broiling, just to give it a nice golden top. And look at how gorgeous that looks. Really, really nice. We always serve eggs with sriracha. Always have our eggs with a hot sauce around here. Uh, And I highly recommend it. And I'm a big believer in the whole frittata thing. But it's a great way to use up old bread. Never, ever, ever, ever throw out old bread. Old bread and old potatoes. And old potatoes. And everything in the... I never throw anything out, by the way. By the way, the reason we had so much leftover food is because we had some guests over last night. Because we we were preparing uh, to leave for Serbia for for the movie, mysonhunter.com. And we need... And we need someone to look after the cats. So we're organizing cat sitting. Because we have one cat... Normal cat, and then we have a cat, another cat with a broken wing. Yes. So it's it's yeah, that's kind of a mixed metaphor, isn't it? A cat with a broken wing. Yeah. Okay, to so say it, yes. it is very sad, but I took Top to the vet last yes, week. I know this, and the vet was very excited. Top's leg is finally healing because he's been in the cage. Because he's been in the cage, he's not banging. It. He's not. He, he, it's allowing it to fuse, just like your uh, your bones. They're they're infusing. But for anybody anybody out there who has ever put an animal. Like our, like a little cat or a little doggy into a cage, it is really, really challenging to watch them. Basically, that poem, which some of you know, the Rilke poem, Pan- the Panther, comes to mind. Phelan is unwilling to read the poem. I, I, read, it, I read it when I was about 16. I don't want to read it again. It's incredibly upsetting. And basically, I watched the cat literally... Um, you know, dramatize the real kid poem before my eyes, and it's not good. And, and fact, in the background, right now, we can hear him crying. We can hear him crying because he can hear our voices. And, and it's just uh, actually a bit of quiet. I can you hear. I'm not doing it. Phil. No, I can't do it. So, talking of pets and animals that we love, our very dear friend Melanie Strum wrote this incredible piece about her dog, Leo, and about what he means to her. And I'm going to read just the last couple of paragraphs of it, but everyone should read all of it. And what's the name of the piece? And the name of the piece is, be the person your dog thinks you are. You know, live up 
to the way your dog treats you. Um, and she ends the piece. This is the way she ends the piece. And I honestly will put it up in the show notes, the whole piece. And I want you to read all of it. And I'm going to tell you something really sad at the end of this. This is what it means to be Jewish. This is what Melanie says. This is what it means to be Jewish, according to Nobel Prize winner Ellie Weasel, who wrote that because every person is created in the image of God, our purpose in living is to be a reminder of God. A Jew must be sensitive to the pain of all human beings. The mission of the Jewish people has never been to make the world more Jewish, but to make the world more human. So as the minutes dwindle before the shofar ends, and she's talking about the high holidays here, sends us to a new year of renewal and reinvention, I want to remind you that you cannot waste time in advance. It's a gift that we've yet to squander a single second. What you do with your tomorrows is your choice. So how will you choose? The Kotzar rabbi famously said that everyone thinks the greatest miracle is to resurrect the dead. But the real miracle is to resurrect the living. So we live the life we should be leading. And if we do that, and God grants us successive years to live, as long as Leo, that's her dog's name, Leo, we too may experience fear of missing out because the world is that much better because we've been in it. May it be so. And I just found out, just before we came to, to record today, that her dog, Leo, has died. And she is very, very sad. But so. the piece is beautiful. And where can and we I get would, that? It's, on, it's going to be in the notes. It'll be in the show notes and you'll find it everywhere. It's on Melanie Sturm's Facebook. Actually, uh, what's, what's the Facebook page called? It's called... Um, it's called Think Again. Think Again. Yeah, her, her Facebook page is called Think Again, but we're going to have all the notes up there and you'll be able to read the whole piece. And it's really worth reading. It's the kind of thing, make yourself a cup of tea, get into your nicest seat and just read it. And we'll have it on the Unreported Story Society as well. Yeah. And that's the end of the show. One thing I would mention as well, Phelan, that this week is another significant week in the lives of Anne and Phelan. We will be married 20 years this week. And happy anniversary, Phelan. Happy anniversary. Uh, 20 years ago, got married in Ballantubber Abbey right. in County Mayo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it was. That's right. And uh, yes, indeed. And 20 years later. It's all 20 going, years later. It's all going great now. Yeah, yeah. No, no stress here at <laughs> no all. No stress here at all. No, no, no. tension on this set at no, all. No, no. I'm sorry that I've got, the bro- I've got the broken wing, but we'll still celebrate despite that. Yes, yes. So we'll talk to you the next time. And by the way, next time, you'll have me here in Los Angeles and Phelan in Serbia, at least for the first couple of weeks of the pre-production. Yes, well let's look forward to that looking forward to that actually and it's going to be a lot of fun and thank you for all your help in in making the My Son Hunter movie happen Uh, so go to mysonhunter.com don't forget and help us help us tell the truth thank you bye thank you bye